Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 132 with Timo Rien of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. It's Nathan Chan here. I'm the host and CEO of Founder Magazine, and I'm coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia at about 3 a.m., uh, burning some midnight oil. Sometimes I find that that's come, uh, when I do my best work because everyone's sleeping and uh, I can really, really focus. Um, so, yeah, just uh, recording a whole ton of podcast episodes, intros, and uh, here we are. So let's talk about today's guest. His name's Thibaut Rien, and uh, he's the founder of a company called Pike Drive. They're um, a CRM that allows you to manage your sales pipeline. And this is a really, really great conversation. We talked about leadership. We talked about how it feels. I asked him a really good question that I've never asked anyone before. And it was how, how does it feel, you know, to have raised, you know, $10 million from investors and have, you know, a reasonably large sized team and, and having these growth pressures and, you know, managing a you know team of 50 plus people. And yeah, it was, it was really interesting. Um, his thoughts and, and response to that question, because I think as entrepreneurs, you know, the, you know, we we always want to grow more you know it's it's never enough that's one thing i can tell you i can tell you you know founders coming up to its fourth birthday this year march 5th 2013 i started the magazine and you know it'll be four years soon and i can tell you this much that 
it's never enough, you know. I was like, oh, I hope I can build up the magazine to leave my job. And then I hope I can, you know, build it up to be, you know, able to support myself. And then I hope I can build it up to be able to do X amount of dollars. And I hope I can build it up to have X amount of users and readers. And yeah, and now like I've got, you know, all these staff members and all these big, like 10 to 10x, you know, 10x ambition. And, um, you know, you just kind of just keep raising, raising, raising the bar. So it's it's interesting to hear someone else's perspective that's um, a little bit further down the journey than me. But anyways, that's enough rambling from me. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. It really does help more than you can imagine. And tell your friends. I know if you're an entrepreneur or founder, you're listening to this right now, you would have entrepreneurial and startup friends. Please let them know about the podcast if you're enjoying it. Do them a favor as well. And, uh, you know, the more you help spread the word of the brand, the more that we can grow. And, uh, you know, we're a grassroots brand starting from scratch. No venture funding. All right. So that's it from me. Now let's jump to the show. So the first question uh, that we ask everyone that comes on is how did you get your job well it was uh if you a want decision. to call it a job <laughs> yeah yeah it still it still is um when when we look into the day of mine uh it very much is so um yeah it was a decision to start a company in uh well 20 2010 when we we founded the company along with four other guys and uh and before that there was already a decision that uh, I wanted to start something like this, and uh, and that's how basically it happened. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And um, so you've got four other co-founders. Correct. Yes. And uh, are they still with you guys? You still at the company right now? All but one uh, are still active uh, in different roles and have obviously evolved over the years uh, quite a bit, trying to find out what what's the best way to. Contribute. I mean, early days were much different, obviously, as it is right now, as we are six years uh, since we started it almost and uh, going to seventh. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been good to see that we've been uh, holding it together uh, and, and finding all the you know exi- starting members actually useful. One of the guys has, has, has moved on to have a new startup uh, and uh, he's, he's definitely doing well in, in the very early stages. So he, I, it wasn't too much of a surprise that he would go at one point. Mm, interesting. Cause you have five people for, so five people for founding team. That's um, well, co-founder. Large, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, so that's, that's what I heard. That's what I heard is that most people say that uh, this is uh, somewhat larger uh, ideal. I don't know who, who, who says that really, but the ideal seems to be around maybe two, three max. But uh, yeah, I've, I've got that quite a lot. That five seems to be like a large group. Mm. And, and how did, um, is, this, is this your first startup? Yes, tech, tech startup definitely. Uh, because before that time, I was uh, one of the three partners in a business which was in a consulting and training industry, sales and consult, sales consulting and training. And that's what we did for about uh, 12 years before we started Pine Tribe. But uh, you could you could say that that was also a startup because we started it up from the very ground uh, in 1999. But it wasn't in tech industry. And I understand that people normally call startups uh, companies which are somewhat in tech industry. So, mm. got you. Interesting. And that other company that you were running for for 12 years, did you exit it? Leave? What happened there? 
so we had uh, three partners in it. Uh, we wanted to you know, scale that business as much as we could. We did really well. We, we were in a sort of market leading positions, not only in, in Estonia, where we actually started and where I'm from, but also in, in Latvia, Lithuania. So doing, doing really well there. And at the same time, what we also realized was that um, it's a type of business which is quite difficult to scale more globally. Uh, it has to be done through a number of you know, different steps. And we felt that you know, having a, a chance to build a product and have that product uh, you know, out there in a, in a you know, SaaS business model type of manner uh, provides uh, a much better chance to globally scale the business. So you know, consulting and training tends to be much more centered around the person who actually does that. It's somewhat more local. And I think we realized a little, I, I personally did at least, that I realized a little bit of that. Uh, and even though parts of the job I, I really liked, at the same time, I also personally felt that uh, there's definitely quite a bit of an ability in me to be in a consultant type of role uh, or a trainer or what do you have there. But, uh, but I had too much of this builder engineer type of, I don't know, gene or whatever that I had to go towards. And, and that sort of, you know, formed or shaped this decision for me at least. So uh, we did, we did, we didn't, if you ask, the, sorry, I kind of missed the you know, beginning of the question, but so we uh, just decided to uh, two of the three guys in this uh, group, uh, just, you know, two of us became two of the founders in, in PyTribe and, and the remaining guy continued for a while. He supported the decision, but he continued for a while and then uh, and uh, and ended the business uh, after some time. Uh, so we knew that that was probably kind of going to end at some point. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And how did Pipe Drive come about? Because uh, you guys, you guys are doing really, really well. Um, so you guys are quite massive too. So like, um, talk to me about how that came about. What? Why? Why? What? How did the idea come up to build a SaaS-based product? Um, how did you validate the concept? Uh, you started in Estonia, but uh, now you're based in San Fran. I'm personally in uh, in San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, it's people know that area more by San Francisco City. I live uh, in Redwood City though, which is a uh, like a 45 minute drive south, but uh, but pretty much here. Yeah, but the company that we have, uh, the main offices we 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 have are are both in Tallinn still and also in New York. So I'm I'm in California right now as as uh, that was the first sort of landing place for us in the US and when we came to incubator uh, called uh, Angelpad in 2011 and uh, and that's how I sort of pretty much stayed here for my family and 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 then as we moved our office closer to Estonia uh, to have a better chance to communicate with each other um, I, I decided that I, I I'm not going to make that move to New York I'll, I'll relocate back to Estonia at one point but as our kids were in it, already in schools you know it became a kind of like a personal decision of some sort but uh, how did we, how did the company come about? Then it was, um, you know, I, I told you about a little bit of context of, you know, two two founders, uh, me included, being in this uh, business of consulting and training and in sales uh, world. Uh, we did realize at one point when we started talking to each other that uh, there's a strong desire in both of us to build something which is a product rather than just uh, go and and uh, give our advice or, or figure out the best ways to influence companies by being like an outsider. 
uh, through service, um, through advice uh, and counsel. And uh, and then it was just a matter of but what it is that we're going to build and how we're going to do it because we felt similarly. And and what it is became clear quite quickly because there was nothing that we knew more about than sales. And, uh, and we had been using different tools for, for tracking sales ourselves. We had seen our customers do. Um, and uh, it personally, it was just realizing that definitely there's a, there's a chance to build a product which would uh, fit in this market as most of the products are built for more managerial roles in, in the sales world, uh, CRMs, that is. And, uh, and realized that uh, however we try to use the different products which were out at that time, I think 2005 and six, we still sort of, as salespeople, uh, still don't find the right fit with these products. And, 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 and then I think it dawned on us that maybe they're not even designed with, with these people in mind. And, and, and that's how I think we got it clear that we should be building, we should either find a product like this or build a product like this. We didn't find exactly what we were looking for and uh, decided to build it. And, and then the second question was, we knew what we wanted to build. We knew what sort of, a, uh, what sort of help uh, we needed as salespeople. And technical side was completely missing. I mean, we are stupid uh, in terms of, we were and we are, I think, uh, stupid in terms of technology and that's expertise. And, and uh, we wanted to uh, look for a group of technological founders and luckily we found them in 2010 and that's how we got it started. Got you. And how'd you find your tech co-founders? You meet them in, in Estonia as well? Yeah. I mean, Estonia at that time, first of all, some people know, some people don't, but uh, Skype was founded by two guys uh, from Sweden and, and also four guys from Estonia. And Estonian guys were the technical founders. Uh, so uh, the scene at that time when we uh, founded Pipedrive was already pretty big. Uh, as far as uh, engineering talent, understanding of, of what you know the guys can actually do, given the the you know the right chance, and and the startups were coming up every now and then, and and we did actually meet a number of different startups through a certain projects that were all thinking of how they could sell better, and and then realized that oh my god, we can ask these guys, maybe one of the groups. Maybe they, they, they care about what we want to build. And, uh, and so that, that's how this sort of discussion started. And, uh, and then we met with uh, three guys who had built uh, a number of different startups already. And then the last one was, was a, 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 a site for uh, pet owners who wanted to connect throughout the world. Almost like a Facebook for pet owners or, or something like this. And they had been building this and scaled it throughout the world. They had users in multiple countries. And... And we felt like, oh my God, that's a good chance. And then let's talk. And we talked and we clicked and uh, and rest is already what we've done together. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Now talk to me about Pipedrive. You know, you guys been running, you said close to seven years, coming on seven years. Um, how far have you taken it? Where are you guys at? Can you give us some numbers around traction? Yeah. I mean, we've been, uh, well, last year we were happy to see that we uh, moved uh, beyond uh, 30,000 customers around the world as, a, as one sign of a scale. We've been able to serve businesses which are actually in, in all of the continents, meaning that uh, our customers are divided quite equally by, by, by North America and, and Europe and, and, and all the other areas of the world, Australia included. <laughs> and um, 
And so that, that has been a very good thing to see. We've been able to uh, continue building towards the vision that we have, which is, is always as a, as a founder, you kind of think that you could be doing uh, this job quicker. But I'm, I'm happy about what we've been able to do. And also building this amazing organization of people without whom I don't think we would have ever been able to scale that to this point. And then that then the number is around you know, 200 plus now. Um, there's an exact number as well, but I'm, I'll probably be wrong when I say that. So um, these are some of the some of the numbers. And when it comes to being a leader, what what type of leader do you think you are, and and what do you do to develop yourself as a business leader? Because I know uh, many people in our audience, um, you know, they might just be starting to hire, or they've got a founding team, or they're just starting to scale up and uh, build out their team. You know, leadership's a hard thing. So you know, if you've if you've got you know, around 200 in, in the 200 mark, that's a lot of people. So what, what, what kind of leader are you and uh, what are you doing to develop yourself as a leader? Yeah, it is a hard thing. I think that's one of the, that's one of the areas that uh, you will probably have continuous challenges regardless of what sort of a stage you're at. I mean, there are certain ones when you start off and, and then you have certain ones when you're getting off the ground a bit, and then you have certain ones as you scale through different phases. So that's always there. What kind of a leader? I, I like the, the, there are different ways of being leaders, obviously, but I like the way when leaders figure out how they can um, sort of position themselves where, where they can serve the other leaders in the organization. Uh, of course, you need to first uh, find who are the suitable people for, for certain roles and, uh, and positions whether they can come from the uh, starting group or, or whether you need to hire them or you can grow some people into these roles, whatever, right? But uh, how can you help these people uh, by serving them in order for them to be really good at what they do? So maybe the, the you know, leader as a servant type of leader is, is, a, is the right or accurate way of, of, of um, defining that. But it's difficult that... I, yeah, it's it's difficult to self-define it, but yeah, that's that's like that's what I consider to my to be my most important job is that we have the right people in in a place where they not only have the the, the skills you know and expertise to do something well, but also the the type of character where you can see that there's a there's a lot of energy uh, that they're getting, there's a lot of energy that they're radiating, and 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 they they are able to. You know, execute along with with the plans that they make, and uh, and that involves not only the processes and things that we want to get done and put in place, but also the team that they're building. So um, just trying to serve, you know, find these people, uh, put them in a good place, get out of the way, and and serve uh, them while we're trying to hit the goals. Yeah. Okay. I see. And 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 what are you doing to grow and develop? Yeah. Personally, me. Um, I think the, one of the one of the best ways is is that that's a heavy practice. I'd say. I mean, getting the getting a company started and uh, going through the phases of of asking these questions of where where can we get our customers, you know, what what exactly should we build, when should we do this, when should we do that, and then as you evolve, you realize that you kind of you understand that people exhaust the skills, might also exhaust some of their personal personal ambition. In terms of leadership, so I think that sort of a practice gives amazing chance to just, you know, if you're connected to it all and you want to do better, you just that forces you to evolve 
already on its own. And uh, and at the same time, I've um, reached uh, reached out to a number of sources where I see that uh, people are doing a great job being leaders, and uh, and some of them are quite uh, how can I put it uh, usual, traditional. Like you 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 read the books uh, um, where you can see that somebody has done a very good job of putting together of what leadership is and 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 what you should do that. And and some of them are maybe not as traditional, but still used. Like you you reach out to a, a a coach that you feel really good with, discussing some of the most burning things in 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 what you personally go through, and just having that sounding board every now and then, uh, knowing that you have a strong person to help you. I mean that's something that I've done over the times, and and also completely non-traditional things which I found I I, I just influenced me a lot. Is that I I have a passion towards uh, sports, and especially people who uh, in team sports lead teams as coaches, and and the way you know you know with to- sports is is that there's always a portion of talent, and then there's also a portion of how do you put these talents to work together, and and that's what really fascinates me. So looking at for example this North American Basketball League. Coaches like Greg Popovich over the years, or or Phil Jackson when he was coaching with the Bulls or the Lakers, and and now Steve Kerr was just close here with the Golden State Warriors, and just trying to understand, even though it's a completely different industry, <laughs> let's put it that way, but just the way they're trying to achieve uh, what they what they're building, um, that is really intriguing and exciting for me, and I've been following. You know anything that they they conclude uh, in their post you know game interviews, those season interviews or during season interviews, and and just following that really closely. When I can read a book about them, like Phil Jackson Jackson's book, I, I I do that. So I also you know get a little bit of leadership that way, and and just trying to reflect of what I'm trying to do and how I'm doing there. Yeah, I see. And you have a business coach too, by the sounds of it, right? Yes, at times a person that I know that I can go to. Uh, so it's not a sort of like a regular routine, but uh, it was much more early on, but uh, but a bit less now. But still, I, I need to know that I have that option when uh, <laughs> when things get messy in my head, and and I need a reflection. Yeah, gotcha. And uh, have you guys raised VC? Uh, you have advisory board too. Yes, we have uh, um, raised money. We've uh, we have investors that we really. Uh, have been leaning on for not only support but also some of the counsel and uh, and Bessemer was um, a company VC firm that I was really sort of hoping the type of a, a VC firm that I was hoping that we are at one point able to get you know the long term success rate that they've had and and a type of approach that they have to businesses and uh, and we were able to form that relationship in uh, in 2015 in spring. Plus, before that time, we we did have a number of different investors, through you know throughout the world. Really, a lot of them came as our customers have come through just word of mouth and then seeing the product and just you know also inbounding and calling us up. But um, you know, without our own work, obviously these sort of partnerships that wouldn't have happened. But uh, yes, a number of angels, a number of uh, small VCs, and then also these stronger companies with uh, you know maybe bigger ambitions, a uh, longer track record like Bessemer. Talk to me around, you know, we're, on that topic of leadership, you know, what what types of people do you need around you to launch and grow a successful startup, do you think? 
Um, <laughs> a group of nutcases. Uh, it's a rare combination that needs to happen. It happens, obviously, as you can see that startups are built and uh, a number of them succeed and a lot of them always don't. And that's why I'm saying it's a rare combination that needs to happen so that it will succeed. But um, I think it requires, uh, first of all, just a under understandable pieces of just drive and ambition and, and kind of like we execute no matter what to, to get things rolling. And, uh, and also, I think, uh, quite, a, quite a strong degree of naivete or you just like, you know, it can be done and, 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 uh, and there's room for this and, and there's need for this. And regardless of what somebody else might say, like even the, the, the pessimistic voices inside ourselves might say, but you just, just, you just do it, right? You just go for it. And I think that sort of a core has to be there definitely as you, as you want to get off the ground because uh, you will be hit by so many challenges that uh, you will be provided enough opportunities to quit it all. And uh, I think for me, what I need to see, uh, what, what I've needed to see all the time is that I can see that we go through the different times, some of them better, some of them really difficult and uh, nobody's uh, letting up, right? So you can see that everybody has their their everything in the game, and then they just uh, you know they just struggle, but they figure out how we can move forward, and we'll do it. I think that's sort of a, like resi resilience and just determination. Just uh, I think that beats everything early on, and then also I, I'm not saying that this is because you know you asked about the size of the founder group, the ability to kind of respect each other enough to do what everybody can do best so that you don't uh, end up fighting instead of building something together, right? So I think that also goes somewhere there that you need to, you need to be able to not only you know see that you can trust people, but trust people when you just don't know them because startups in a way quite often are just, you just don't know these people. Even if you know them, you don't know them as you go through, through these unknowns right now. And uh, I think that ability to to trust and also then taking the taking this seriously that you just you just need to respect what people can bring. I mean that has to go hand in hand, and I think we've had that in a, in a in a founding group, uh, which which is I think why we've gotten to this point. But then as you go on, I think you will develop uh, a different set of things that you also need, which is forever thinking of uh, scaling everything that works, everything that you try and actually works, how you could scale that now. And, uh, and that might require a stronger leadership sort of sense and an understanding of what sort of teams to fill, what sort of teams to first draft in your head and then fill and, uh, and give your legal legals away, uh, as they say, to, to other people. Let go of some of the things that you think that you could do as well. You know, feel that you can have the control in somebody else's hands and so these sort of things. Again, I'm throwing some of the things in here. I'm hoping that they're answering the question about what you asked. Yeah, no, this is great. We're going deep, Ben. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Talk to us about what, what your routine looks like as a founder of a 200-person company and, and has it changed over the years and if so, why? You know, in a way, it some parts of it don't, uh, have not changed, but some parts have definitely changed. And, and I have a big uh, differentiator here um, because I'm uh, in a unique position where the large portion of 
let's put it that way, my immediate team of, of, of executives, they are not where I am in terms of time zone or physical room right now. And that's the situation that I've been in for, for a number of years, years now as I've been residing in, in California. I do have some executives in New York and, and most of them in Tallinn. And that's like, you know, seven hours or 10 hours time difference right there. And that's what um, shapes my routine quite a lot. So today, what it looks like is that my first calls are around 5.30 a.m. or 6 a.m. And uh, as I complete these, I uh, take my kids to school or kindergarten. And, uh, and then uh, I continue with uh, more sort of one-on-one -on -one meetings and calls uh, still over the video or Skype or Zoom or whatever the tools we use. And, and that's where I either have the one-on-ones with our, uh, my immediate team, and then they are regular, either weekly or bi-weekly. And then uh, also one-on-one -on -one interviews with uh, the people that we are uh, trying to hire that are at the very finals. And, um, and that's also been part of my routine. And then uh, as that part of the day gets done, which is normally around the time that we're right, right now, which is you know past noon, then there will be more time for doing the work uh, sort of through emails and you know just doing the work over the computer. And that requires you know, creating documents that we need to do, uh, wrapping up some of the things that we have, have done uh, in different meetings and, uh, and also trying to be useful uh, for our efforts in, uh, in you know, content marketing, which means like interviews like this, for example, trying to have a voice out there and, uh, and also write about uh, things in sales where we can see that we can help our customers and anybody else in the world. So that also comes in it. So I wrap my days up around five or six. So it's, you know, all in all, it's about 12 hours, but, uh, you know, a, a few things in between, like a, like a personal uh, school run. <laughs> and uh, so that's, a, that's how it normally is. But obviously there are different days and, and, and different weeks as well, but that's the sort of, let's say usual. Yeah, I see. And the bigger your company's got, do you work less or more? I try to find still the right balance of of um, of working on the right things and, and and not not fooling myself that if I if I just work more hours, then uh, I will be more useful. For me, that doesn't go hand in hand with being able to scale through other people. So during the time that I have, I try to make sure of what I should do. And that's the type of, you know, effort that I, you know, just gave you in terms of a uh, schedule that I have for the day. So I, I'd, I'd say that being over in us has, has forced the schedule to be somewhat longer than it was before, but I think it's mostly because of the time difference. Otherwise I try to make sure that, uh, I'll, I'll just don't go down the route of just working more, by, by counting the hours. But let's, let's be honest, the more we've gone on, the more the, the job and the ambition just doesn't want to leave me. <laughs> so it's, uh, so it's, uh, it's a deliberate effort during the weekends to fully let go. And, um, and I've been able to do at least a little bit more of that because there have been times where I knew that, uh, you know, the, some of the alarm messages that I had set up, uh, which I still do, but uh, some, sometimes I knew that, sometimes years ago, I knew that if I don't do right, something right now, 
uh, we might not have a, a speedy enough reaction to some of the things, either in, in infrastructure or, or you know responses to some of the customers. Or and today I know that you know there are people in place who who look at the same thing, so I don't worry about that. But uh, but it's still it doesn't want to leave you. So a deliberate effort has to be there to do that. Yeah, I see. Um, I've never actually asked anyone this question before, but I know it, it's coming to me that um, I really want to ask you because because from where we're at with Founder, we're we're one hundred percent bootstrap, man. We we have mm-hmm. not raised any capital. Great, and uh, we're we're very profitable. No one is because you guys though in terms of revenue, funding, number of customers. We do have tens of thousands of customers, but a much smaller scale, not in terms of SaaS. So I'm really curious, you know, you've raised you know, well, over, well over $10 million. Um, mm-hmm. You've got a 200-person team. Uh, you've got, you know, how many investors? It looks like at least 20-plus investors. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're the CEO of this company, how does that feel in terms of pressure, in terms of so much reliance? Everyone is relying on your direction, your, your vision, uh, your leadership. Um, investors want to return. You know, how, how does that feel? It, and that, that is a very good question, actually, to both ask and to, to think about. I'm sure that I, even if I don't ask that question for myself, I've... Uh, I have been thinking about some of the feelings that are uh, that I that I feel right about this, and uh, I do have a, a small note on my desk. Uh, I think part of this is is also because of that, and then what sort of feelings you might also have, it, which says let it be easy. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a, it's not just you know somebody wrote it, but it's uh, by a guy named Tolly Birkin who's uh, uh, who's been writing a couple of books about how you should. Um, manage uh, your life and then and also he's i think he's a father of firewalking in us and at least in some parts of us and uh i, I did remember that uh, during certain times i felt how heavy uh it all could feel uh just because of how you look at this and how much of of that you take onto your personal shoulders and then um let it be easy i just don't want to I don't want to use that so that I could feel that oh it doesn't matter at all, <laughs> like like whatever. Uh, it's not that, but uh, I just want to remind myself that uh, I mean the way we started it already showed it that it you know if you if you want to build something great over the years, it's it's not going to be done by you alone, and it's a group and team effort. And uh, for me, what gives me this sort of better feeling is that we've been able to move towards. Uh, creating the sort of reality that we need as an organization so that nobody in this organization organization should feel that they're carrying the load completely on their own but but this is a, a like a really good group effort and i have to be able to feel the same way um, i just feel that that's the only way to sort of survive through it even though yes i could be looking at this uh in a very heavy type of way but I don't think that that's how human beings would survive or how you should, uh, I don't think that's how we were built. So uh, we, should, we should take our own load and understand what we can do uh, in order for this all to move forward towards the future. 
we need to be dealing with whatever comes our way, obviously. Um, some of the things you know you like, some of the things you don't like, and you suffer. And then you kind of rebound and 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 figure out what you can do. But how does it feel? Is a very very good open question about it. I, I I'd say that um, if you could ask me, like, so do you feel easy? I say it's not necessarily. There are different times. Uh, sometimes the morning, you know, starts and I feel a lot of that weight, and and I need to sort of start a few engines in my head, which tell me that you know, listen, it, yeah, it's. It's okay. You have that, and that person is in charge of that. You know, if they need help, uh, you can always check and make sure that that's there. And you have that, you know, part of the organization. And there's a person in charge, and you you can rely on that. So I do rely on on the group that we have a lot uh, in order to feel you know sort of good enough uh, every day, and uh, and not get myself too down because as an insider, you know. That uh, there are so many things that you're you know, that you still have as ambition that is still not there that it's still not the way you want it to be and that can actually you know get you quite depressed at times and, I, and of course all the things that don't go the way you want to can add to that but yeah I, I don't know how far you want me to go but that's the my quickest reaction to this is that I I feel okay and uh it is a function of us looking at, at doing the work together as a group uh so i'm relying a lot on on other guys while i'm reminding myself of of letting it be easy and not take me down mm. yeah no this, that was great um look we have to work towards wrapping up timo but this is a really good conversation man i'm really enjoying it um i would be doing our audience a disservice uh if i didn't ask just quickly number one sales tip being a, a sales guy i have to i have to answer with what just popped into my mind the, the second you asked that it's uh figuring out how you can be the real you in this process and in this job and just to elaborate a little i've seen personally that uh it can be quite difficult because uh, the job itself requires you to have a quite thick skin uh, for many people, it means that the only way to do it is to be a little bit, a little bit somebody else, like not who you really are. I mean, you're not as, you're not as thick-skinned, or you're not as crazy going into every day with that sort of an attitude, or you're not as confident all the time, or you just, you just a little bit is missing. What what can happen? And I've seen that that's a really bad thing. Is that you can also kind of continue being that somebody else, always in the role. And you never really get people. Uh, you never really get customers. You never really connect, like really. And that will probably, the, the way I understand things about sales, that probably it will hurt you uh, results-wise. So, but the question is, how can you be really you when the, when the environment is quite tough? That's that's the whole involvement, I think, in, in sales. And, and, and so maybe not the best tip that you can immediately take and run and, and you can see, oh my God, that works or, or you know, I, it helps. But, uh, but just a sort of long-term type, you know, evolving tip is, you know, learn to be you so that you can bring that you into every conversation. And that's amazing how people react to this and how people respond to you and how, how real conversations you can have, even though both parties know that you are in it to sell something and at the same time, if you have a good angle, the other party might also know that you are in, in, in it to, to help them. 
and I think just being you for me, that was a struggle for, for the early years, definitely. So that's the tip. Okay. Well, look, uh, final question, Timo, and that is uh, the best piece of advice you've ever received that you'd like to share with our audience and then uh, the best place people can find out more about pipe drive and uh, give a little bit more insight around pipe drive and why people uh, should use it. Well, I think, the, and this is more general right now, right? So it's uh, uh, about, you know, being a founder, being, you know, starting things up. The, the desire and also the routine to ask new questions as you go along, I think that's been probably the best advice is, is when you're not getting the, when you're not getting the results quite as yet that you want to, you just have to raise the game in terms of the questions you ask. Uh, and an example that I had personally was that, you know, we uh, we were getting early days about 15 to 20 new customers a month. And then at one point when somebody asked, but, you know, so how do you get uh, like 100 new customers a month? And at that point, I kind of, that question sort of shocked me because I never somehow had asked that. Like really, like so. But how do we get then a hundred? And and I realized that I was uh, both uh, intimidated a bit by this new level of question, and also inspired. And uh, and I think that this has been a very good advice because ever since we've been trying to ask, but okay, but how do we get a thousand? And 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 so on and on. And um, and it's just an example about customers, but it could be asked about anything. So uh, just asking a, a new level of question where you don't have the answers, when you don't have the reality quite as there yet. But if you answer that successfully, you will raise the whole game and you will get to the result, these results in, 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 in some time. So that's the advice. And then the question about where you can uh, find out more about Nitro and what it is that we do. It's uh, probably the best way to go to vibetrial.com you know, sign up for a trial and uh, and see for yourself. And 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 we do understand that this is a sales tool, which is meant for for businesses around the world, uh, which uh, sells something more expensive than maybe the average, and um, definitely not the 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 sort of like a cheaper, more commodity type of product products, but but services and products which are more expensive and take a longer time uh, to actually sell to someone. And, and this is where the, the product that we've been built should be most useful because it helps you organize your efforts and, and focus on, on the action that matters most. And in, in sales, it's, you know, most people look at their, their sales pipeline at one point, uh, and we wanted to make that like the core of what PyTor helps you with so that you're really good at managing your, your um, uh, ongoing sales effort through your pipeline and, and also communicating with, with customers uh, most effectively there. So this is uh, this this is what we try to do is is help uh, small businesses uh, uh, to be re be really successful, uh, knowing that there will be a lot of failure along the way, but uh, but that's part of the game. And if you want to learn more about um, sales in general or or um, startups, uh, then also blog that we have. Um, you you can also uh, go there and and have a a number of different uh, pieces that you can learn about. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, Timo. It's uh, been a really great conversation, man. Nathan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content 
either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.